0: And uh, my competitive nature is very much we win. We really enjoy winning. We do whatever it takes to win. And uh, so I make sure everyone understands that base concept. I give them the rules, teach them how to win, and then I hire uh, competitors. This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and Construction Industry Insights. Now your host.
1: Welcome everybody. Today we have guest Zach Tanner from Painter Bros. Hi Zach, how are you?
0: Good, doing good. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Um, Can you tell us a little about yourself?
0: Sure. Um, I pretty much work nonstop. I've only done this uh, since I was about 18. Got a wife, one kid, and uh, enjoy the outdoors.
1: Nice. What kind of outdoor stuff do you like doing? I do a lot of fishing and a lot of hunting. Is that why you chose um, Painter Bros? Because it has to do with outdoor stuff or it's separate?
0: No, you know, that's a pretty hot topic. People ask why the name. So it actually just comes down to search engine optimization and me being completely broke when I started the company. Um, Having the word painter in your domain accelerates your ranking And uh, I only had about 400 bucks to my name when I started the company. So I needed a $10 domain. And I searched for the most appealing one that I felt was, uh, you know, something that customers would feel is very approachable and, uh, you know, kind of develops a bit more of our our culture just in the name. So, yeah.
1: So um, when did you um, start Painter Bros? Uh, That would
0: have been, I was 20 years old. So almost eight years ago.
1: Nice. What are some things that, um, made you go, Hey, I want to start my own company. Besides, I know you had said being (laughs) broke.
0: Yeah. No, I, I was broke on purpose. I know it sounds weird. Um, but, uh, no, so I, I, it was between going to college or starting to work and, uh, I was going to go to college and play football and then I got injured and, uh, decided, hey, I'm going to take my chances, bet on myself in business. And so I actually started working construction right away. And uh, when I was, I guess, 17, still in high school, after I realized I wasn't going to play football. So started working pretty hard and uh, started working with some people and learned how to paint, painted for a few years. And um, I have a very competitive nature. And so I, I saw immediately uh, opportunity uh, for doing things better than they're currently being done. And providing better service and so I seized the opportunity and ran with it and uh yeah worked out well
1: what are some of the steps that you took to prepare to start your own company
0: Hmm. now you're making me really think back that's uh feels like two lifetimes ago um I guess steps to prepare was um I had to figure out what my uh, value equation was going to be, why, why uh, I was going to have a unique business or something that customers were going to see value in, as well as employees were going to be able to look at what we're doing and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. So identifying those, those uh, key things was pretty big.
1: Nice. What are some areas and um, when you first started the company where you succeeded and then what are some that where you failed?
0: Oh, well, you you fail a 100 times before you find one way to succeed. So there's a lot more failure than there is success, which is why I think a lot of people don't make it. Um, But uh, I've always had a pretty serious work ethic. Some people might say it's over the top or too much, or my wife might say I'm a workaholic, um, or at least I was, but uh, dedication. I think you have to be willing to do whatever it takes, whenever it's needed, whether it's on a weekend or an evening or whatever. I know the first two years in business, I don't think I took a day off. It was Monday through Sunday, eight days a week, nonstop, 30-hour days kind of thing, Um, but uh, that got me through just about everything else because where you miss on some ends where you're missing on management or coaching people or or, uh, creating spreadsheets or pro formas you put in the extra time to make up for it and so as long as you're willing to put in that extra time it'll typically offset your shortcomings especially if you have no money
1: (laughs) i know um a lot of people say work balance is important and stuff but in the beginning obviously you have to you know put in the work have you been able to find that balance?
0: Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, my wife and I, we had our first kid about three years ago. And uh, that that was kind of the wake up call to me where it was like, okay, you know, what are you really working for? You know, uh, figure it out, Zach. And so I looked at it and said, okay, let's restructure how we're doing things. And it was interesting at that point, it was actually a very different perspective where the company was more, instead of built around, I'm going to do as much as I can. It was, I'm going to set people up to do as much as they can and put everyone else in a winning position to grow. And so that was a pretty pivotal time.
1: Tell me more about that.
0: Yeah. So it was, uh, me realizing I was doing too much that I was the company, uh, versus the company is about your people, your people are kind of everything. Right. And so, uh, it was more putting people in winning positions and uh, not telling them what to do, but showing them how to do it, um, I think was key. And uh, sticking with people is huge. You know there's a lot of turnover in employment as it is, but I, I try and stick it out with people. Um, I, I typically will let them quit before I quit on them. So even if they're struggling, you know, you don't, you don't fire someone because they're struggling, you know, give them every opportunity everything they they could ask for and you leave it up to them because most of the time when people see it through that's when you see the biggest change and that's when you see them actually take that next step and and take charge
1: do you um weave that into your company culture
0: oh absolutely absolutely we're not a we're not a cutthroat one and done one opportunity and you're out kind of company we uh understand people are human and, uh, no one starts running hundred miles an hour right out of the gates. Um, everyone starts somewhere and we've all started at that base level position and worked our way up. And so we really understand that process, that growth cycle, um, from start to finish. And I think that's helped a lot.
1: What does growth look like to you?
0: <laughs> well, you could talk about a Kager, your, your compound annual growth rate. Um, or you could talk about people. Um, I think they're two separate ones, numerical and one's more, uh, I guess the culture of your business. And so, uh, Kager wise, we're, we're doing fairly well. Um, but, uh, I think the most impressive growth or the most satisfying growth is that of our, our people watching our people grow from, uh, whether it's painters that have worked for me for five or six years and the guys that are now running their own franchise, uh, mostly autonomously, um, which is really exciting. Um, I think I think I get much more joy out of that than seeing a a number on the percentage of growth um, monetarily. So I, I really enjoy
1: that. Um, how do you get your team to carry the vision of your you have for your company?
0: I, it becomes their vision. You know, I, I don't uh, I don't micromanage people at all. Um, As people grow into management positions, it's it's somewhat of a game in a way where you have to play by the rules if you want to win. And uh, my competitive nature is very much we win. We really enjoy winning. We do whatever it takes to win. And uh, so I make sure everyone understands that base concept. I give them the rules, teach them how to win, and then I hire uh, competitors, people that really, really want to win. And they essentially create their own uh, vision of what winning looks like, and they run with it. And uh, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of looking over people's shoulders. Um, you know, right out of the gates, you have to help a little bit. But I really like it when people can grow their own uh, win or their own game or however they're playing it, and not be successful with it.
1: Um, how did you end up um, working with FCP Services?
0: Ooh. <laughs> There was a guy, you might you might know him. His name's Ronnie, Ronnie Martin. Yeah, Mr. Ronnie, gosh, this had to have been five years ago, four, five years ago or so. Ronnie calls me up one day and I uh, had this guy with this super thick accent, Southern accent. And I thought to myself, what the hell am I getting myself into, I, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Cause, you know you get some calls from, from random companies from time to time that are asking you to do stuff and then they just stiff you on pay or whatever. And my, my company was more in the infancy stage back then, so we were you know, a little bit uh, more fragile. And so taking chances and hoping to get paid was a much bigger of a deal. And so somehow his southern charm talked me into doing the first walmart
1: for him and yeah that was it Miss he- <laughs> tell, can you tell me that, that story about giving you that walmart
0: oh <laughs> uh, i don't i don't even remember exactly what it was i just you know i gave him a really hard time about making sure he was legitimate and making sure he was uh gonna do his end of it i think i even bugged him about getting me a down payment and i i told him i'm not going to touch anything unless you give me some money down just because i don't trust it and Anyways, long story short, Ronnie Ronnie did, uh, I'm, I'm a tough person to convince. I'm, I'm a tough salesman. You, you know the whole saying, you can't BS a BSer. And so I, I, I thought, okay, I think I can work with this guy because he did everything he said he was going to do. And then uh, we reciprocated that and uh, kind of went from there.
1: What values do you look for um, when choosing a company to work with?
0: Uh, if they do what they say they're going to do. I think it's the biggest one, which, which really brings you down to the character and the culture of that company. And it really trickles down from the top, right? So if, if all your employees, if they do what they say they're going to do, regardless of financial bearing or whatever, it means that they have character, they have pride in what they do. And, and it's, it, even if it's not written down on a piece of paper, if it was just said over the phone, because that's how we do business. Um, that's, that's what we like to do. That's the best way to do it.
1: Um, what are some good relationship advice that you can give between two companies? Relationship advice. <laughs> it's kind of like a marriage. Um, <laughs> in, in a way, way. Yeah. I mean,
0: you're, you're not always going to get along. You're not always going to win on every single job, right? And the, the idea is to provide something for the end user, the customer, and to work together to do so. You hope you make money doing it. At the end of the day, as a business owner, um, but at the end of the day, you know that you're not always going to make money, but you always need to provide that end result to the customer that they're expecting. So work it out. That's the best thing to say. You agree to work it out.
1: Um, What are some steps you take to make sure your customers are happy with your work?
0: Oh, man. We do pretty much anything. I mean, if our, if our customers are, if we get a, you know, any idea that they're unhappy or uncertain about quality or anything, we kind of have a pretty serious protocol where we drop what we're doing and we go take care of whatever needs to get taken care of. Um, and it's essentially, we've got quite a few project managers Um, So whoever's in charge of the job will drop what they're doing. If they need to jump on a plane, they jump on a plane same day. I know I've done it like once or twice too, just because I thought to myself, I should probably go get this taken care of. Um, But uh, yeah.
1: But I'm assuming that because you trust your teams and you set them up for um, wins, you don't have to do it very often.
0: No, few and far between, few and far between. That's why we have the ability to drop what we're doing and go take care of it if and when they do happen. Right,
1: and is that because of the culture you started?
0: I think it's uh, the relationship that we have with our employees. Um, It really stems from setting an expectation, a very uh, clear defined expectation from the start of how business is to be conducted, how the job site's supposed to be handled. As long as we do that, we train our guys extremely well on how to do that. And most of our guys that manage projects have painted for years or have done construction, hands-on manual labor construction. So they've been the guy that they're now in charge of, which I think is critical um, because they know exactly what is going on on site. They get it. They understand the bigger picture. And so they have the ability to relay that expectation properly. It's not theoretical. It's, it's actual, you know, and so, that, that's, that's a big deal for us.
1: From your point of view, what are some struggles that have come up in the past year that you didn't imagine would happen?
0: Are you talking about COVID-19?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I didn't get to go to Alaska fishing last year. So that sucked. No. Um, yeah. COVID was, it was just weird. It was so weird um, because our business, it suffered, but not in the way that you would think a business would suffer. We suffered in the sense where we couldn't hire anyone. No one wanted to work. We had, so, we had more work than we'd ever had because you had a massive influx of cash into the economy. Um, and people were spending it left and right. And uh, we just could not find people to work because of all the additional money that was being given for unemployment and they had the bonus check thing they were doing. Um, so that was our biggest, biggest struggle was just finding people. So I was, I was out in the field. Most of our project managers were actually hands-on painting or or doing work last year in the field, just because we were so, so short staffed. Um, and our higher up guys are kind of the highest producers because we know the most about what's going on. So it somewhat worked, but, uh, yeah, I, I went to Houston for about a month to work with them, to Phoenix for about three months, Portland for about a month, it, you know, just because no one wanted to work. It was, it was weird.
1: Has there been any new recruiting techniques that you've come up with that you're like, hey, that's actually worked and didn't think about before? Um,
0: that's a good question. We've taken a little bit of a different approach where we've taken our, some of our subcontractors and converted them from being independent to being a part of our organization, um, which is a pretty big deal. Um, We incentivize them through being a part of our franchise organization, which offers a myriad of different benefits to them. Um, And so that's helped a lot, Um, but still just hiring people, uh, as painters, at least where we are, um, has, has proven to be somewhat difficult still, just because I think that unemployment still going on in most places.
1: Right. So. What advice can you give someone that wants to um, start their own company in our industry, given all the struggles that we're having right now?
0: Oh, man. That's a great question. Mathematically, I don't know. I've looked back on it so many times because I have other people ask me that too. And mathematically starting your own business doesn't ever make sense. But now when you're, when you're a business owner, you actually know what's going on and you kind of have a higher perspective. You're looking at it from 30,000 feet up, makes no sense to do it. And so you have to just be as ambitious as can be and uh, somewhat blind to what uh, could happen and you just go for it. Um, don't think about, don't think, there's always a million things that could go wrong. Don't think about them. Just think about what can go right and what you can control It's going to go right and keep your head down and just work. That's yeah. probably advice. Do
1: you have any um, stories of where you thought it was going to go wrong and then it surprised you and it completely changed and you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was going to work.
0: Yeah, just about every day. You know, because you're juggling like fifty balls in the air at all times, and and one of those balls, you think's about to hit the floor, and then it just shoots right back up. Oh, that's nice! Like, okay. so, um, and most of those are ideas, you know, theoretical concepts that you're hoping to bring to fruition. But um, yeah, I think uh, trying to think of the biggest one i don't know i don't know if i have a a (laughs) specific example for you i apologize
1: no worries um how do you stay informed of new industry trends um
0: we're connected to a lot of different uh businesses individuals um all across the country essentially um whether it's painting construction whatever um we're pretty connected in a lot of ways and so we just communicate uh, I go out to dinner with people or just call them to talk to them and discuss what's going on, what they're seeing. Um, with our franchisees being spread across the country, they're able to have insight into local markets where they are. Um, and then through our, our uh, KPI metrics on our CRM, we're able to monitor the uh, economics of different areas, different times a year, and be able to understand um, kind of what's going on throughout the country at any given day which is pretty big. Um, so you know how to effectively, uh, invest money and, uh, have a reasonable ROI associated with it. But
1: how can our audience reach you?
0: Um, we have an 800 number on our website, painterbros.com. If they, uh, all the calls are screened, but, uh, if they ask for me with, you know, enough purpose, I'll, I'll, uh, typically take the call.
1: Do you also have a LinkedIn page?
0: I do have a LinkedIn page, actually. Yeah, I have I have one for uh, Painter Bros Franchising, which is our parent company. And then, yeah, you can go through there, or my personal one.
1: Okay, I'll make sure to find you and then tag you on the LinkedIn page. Very cool. Very cool. Um, is there anything else you would like to talk about that we didn't discuss?
0: Um, no, not really. I mean... What about you? And do I have to ask you questions at all? Or is this just that you? Ask you can.
1: You can. I yeah. don't know if I have the answers.
0: <laughs> no. I, do you, how, many, how many podcasts do you do? You do?
1: Um, we have a total of 25 so far. Um, I've done the last, I want to say 10 or 9. John yeah. was initially doing them, but he's super busy. So he had me guest host one of them. And I really liked it. I definitely was yeah. out of my comfort zone. And I had never done anything similar, but it was fun. And I said, let's try it. Like you say, you know, jump in with both feet. And here I am. (laughs) You found your calling, you
0: feel like?
1: I think so. I'm still working on some of the interview questions and everything, but it's fun. It's been fun that's
0: good yeah this is very fluid that's i feel like the most important part i was a little (laughs) concerned when i saw the uh itinerary yeah (laughs) it was gonna be like first this then that but this was good it was very discussion-based i liked
1: it yeah well i appreciate it um well zach thank you for being a guest from our paint to purpose podcast (laughs) this is your host Yahida Vargas. thanks
0: thanks for listening To learn more, visit FCPServices.com. Until next time,
1: remember, people drive growth.